<laughs> They're horrible. They only have one. They only have one uh, cup holder. Did you guys know this? What's up, everybody? How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's been a productive day. I am doing a lot, and I'm happy to be here recording a podcast with you. And we're recording this podcast at Creative Freedom Headquarters. We got our crew, Goof Off Collaborative, in the building bringing you the visual. We got my boy Legible bringing you the audio today. Say what's up, Goof Off. Yo, yo. All right. That's what's up. All right. So for this interview, I have a very special guest in the building with me today. This is a guy that is best known for his satire on social media trends and parodying influencers. Yes. So in 2015, Brad Padre, your full name, yes. am I saying that correctly? Yes. You created a character you call Scumbag Dad. 2015? According to my oh math. Oh my God, that is, that is, there's no, there's no way. It was 2015. That is, that's crazy. How old are you, man? I'm, I'm 40. <laughs> uh, 2015, that's, well, I mean, because 2015, I feel like that's before I met my wife. Yeah. And so, like, 2015, I mean, I invented Scumbag Dad, uh, not not to not to anti-Narduar you too much. No, no, but, please. Uh, I believe that I invented, the first Scumbag Dad episode might have been in 20, like, like it was like, pandemic like 2020 yeah the first scumbag dad episode i know this because it was my friend uh it was our friend's birthday and my wife and i were talking about your korean dad yeah. at a bar and so i mean i'm not yeah so because that's uh, how it all started right you started parodying your korean dad and well, then your scumbag dad yeah yeah, yeah. The, the scumbag dad character came from my wife was talking about how much she liked this guy your korean dad and we were all partying that night and we looked at some of his content. It was all very wholesome and very sweet. And the guy opens up every video with a, hey, it's me, your Korean, hey, I'm your Korean dad. And then they go like buy groceries or something. And it's all very adorable. And so I went on a tear about how it would be funny if he was actually evil and neglectful. I was like, it would be better if he was more relatable. Yeah. You know, how many, you know, my wife said, oh, not a lot of Korean dads are like this. They're usually a little bit harsher. So I'm like, well... So that then the opposite must be true. So the next day we went to get lunch. I just told, you know, told them to turn on the phone and I just pretended to be an asshole for like five minutes. And it just, it got a half a million views in the first day. And at the time that was huge for me. I wasn't getting like a lot of big views on videos. And not only was it big, it was also super easy. It was like, I didn't spend any time on it. I just hardly, no edit at all, basically. And compared to the other work I was doing at the time, it was just so much simpler. So I started to carry the character over. I started to become more evil and more neglectful. And then the, the plot line started to emerge. I started to think, well, wouldn't it be funny if he was like a drug dealer or like the leader of a gang? <laughs> and wouldn't it be funny if he was talking the kid into like wholesome activities that present as wholesome, but they turn out to be uh, horrible crimes? And so the first, th that was like my second year doing TikTok. My first year I was doing like watch videos and a bunch of like sketch comedy stuff. But Scumbag Dad was the uh, character that pushed me from, I don't know, sort of like a piddly little, you know, sort of nothing TikToker into someone who could actually make money at this. Right. Somebody who could, uh, who commanded enough numbers to talk friends into it and like talk businesses into helping him and that kind of thing. Because to some extent, didn't you come out with like a watch video at first that just got 2 million views like relatively quickly? And then yes. you like you were like, wait, TikTok is something to look at. Yeah, watches were how I got my start. Like 
I had no idea. When TikTok started, I only used it as a way to plug music because I've been doing music all my life and I have been, you know, my only barely mild success throughout my entire musical career. So I initially started using TikTok just to plug songs. And then I posted one random watch video and it blew up and I was like, okay, I can make this into something. I've never had, I've never had more than a million people watch my stuff. Like on YouTube, I had fantasized about the day where like I get a million hit video. Like, wow, how, you know, maybe one day in my dreams. Right. And then bam, it happened on TikTok. So I started pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And, um, you know, now the content's evolved like beyond watches to what you see today. But I think what's interesting about your journey a little bit is like, before the, even the TikTok watch videos, you made it on America's Got Talent. Yeah. You made it top 100 finalists in a chef competition. Yeah. The I top was chef, right? Master chef. I was Master top chef? 100 on Master Chef. That's like insane. Season five. That's insane. But there's no, like, apart from one photograph of me in the audition hall, there's like no evidence I was ever there because <laughs> they booted me. Yeah. Like, they booted me after nine days because I wasn't what they were looking for. Like, with reality television, they're always looking for a, you know, people to fit certain boxes. You know, each each season has to have, like, you know, this type of character. They always need, like, the, 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 the conservative man and, like, the wild man and like they've got to get the different you know all the different boxes they call them so when i'm when i'm there i'm in competition with like the other like tall cis heterosexual presenting white guys and so like they asked me how long i've been cooking for and i'm like june because i really wasn't a chef i was an orthodontist i just wanted revenge for america's got talent and it it didn't work and they, they kicked me out after nine days which sucked but but it's all part of the villain arc that ended up here and it's still ongoing and that was with the pirate group then yes. on America's Got Talent. America's Got so Talent. you sold hundreds of albums with this we pirate sold thousands group. Thousands of albums. Thousands yeah. of albums. I, to this day, I still make streaming money off Captain Dan and the Scurvy Crew. Like it's the dumbest, silliest, goofiest, like late high school idea that we ended up making albums with, and it's paid in dividends. Like we never, we've been in an industrial bands and like rock bands. And I've done so much music with my buddy Dan, it's ridiculous. But the only time we made a substantial profit was when we started doing dumb raps about being pirates. And it was a character that we came up with in high school called Captain Dan, who was a pirate who fought ninjas like 30 years ago. You know, whatever, like that was a huge internet joke, like ninjas versus pirates, ninjas versus pirates. And so we just made that into a dumb short film <laughs> called Ninja Pizza Delivery. And somewhere, somewhere on YouTube, that that trailer still exists, the old Ninja Pizza Delivery trailer, which is just like a bunch of kids with a green screen making garbage. And Dan was the character. We made a rap song. It went viral. It went. It went as viral as it could. Twelve, you know, twenty years ago, which was like two hundred thousand views. Right. But that was so much for us. I was going to the post office every day to physically mail out CDs until we started to use a different service for it to ma- just mailing out physical albums all the freaking time. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you had the whole synth rat era. Yeah, synth rat was a good gag. That was my way of like, it was just doing a jump scare. I was, uh, I wasn't really capable of doing any trends. Like I wasn't a dancer. Like TikTok has evolved so much from when I started. And, and even when I started, it's evolved so much from its inception. But like when I started, they were just sort of carving out new niches besides like the big dance accounts and the big like sort of gossipy or like teenager accounts. Like it was beginning to mature, like pandemic was starting to set in. Um, and 
I, the trends were like a great way to grow, but I realized I'm like, I, I hate all of this. All of these are very dumb. All of these lip sync trends would, would never be something. Right. That you're I would not going to make dancing videos. Yeah. And I'm not going to make dance. Like nobody wants to see like a 38 year old orthodontist dance. You'd be surprised. You know? Okay. Maybe he doesn't ask for every seat. <laughs> but what I started to do is I'm like, okay, what's a subversion? And, and one day I was, uh, I was on a live stream and I was playing music. I was improvising with my buddy. And he was singing what was on the live stream. And I, I saw a rap mask. I'd, got, I'd gotten a rap mask to do a skit before. So I put the rap mask on and I started playing the keyboard. And like the chat, which was only like 30 people at the time. Right. But it was like, what the hell is this? What did I come <laughs> into? It's a monster. So then I started to incorporate that. I was like, oh, well, Synthrat's funny. I'm just going to put him in things. And so he was my way of taking a trend and twisting it ever so slightly to be a jump scare. Right. And it worked very well for a while until it became too obvious. The problem with Synthrad is that as soon as you see my name pops up, pop up, you know, I start a trend like a lighting trick or a, a, an yeah. alpha transition. And you already know like it's going to be a jump scare. Right. So the good thing about Synthrad, I was able to gain like a, a couple hundred thousand followers off it. But the bad thing is it was a limited joke. Because once you once I'd done it, you know, 30 or 40 times, they're like, okay, I'm just expecting Synthrat. And um, I even pitched Synthrat to Adult Swim with like a loony oh, pitch. Oh, that's dope. Um, the pitch did not work because it wasn't, it wasn't like a fleshed out idea. It was just like I had a plot. Like the Synthrat album is actually an outline of a plot that right. Synthrat is going sort of he's an interdimensional creature that goes into different planets. Like all my friends were different characters, like Guitar Horse is Dan. And like those songs, I thought it'd be funny to release a legitimate album of the Synthrat character, which was going to explain like a bigger plot line. But the problem was the jump scare just wasn't working anymore. Like it wasn't getting hits. And even though I'd put a lot of effort into the edit or something, it was just flopping left and right. Cause people were like, I know it's a synth rat. I know it's a synth rat. So I moved on and then scumbag dad came up, you know, I started to do attack on Titan stuff. So like doing, uh, I mean, doing anime jokes almost always works on TikTok. And then I started to do attack on Titan stuff that went well. And then scumbag dad shortly after. And I would say kindness content is your newest sort of trend that you're poking fun at. Yeah, um, these days I've realized it's easier to satirize other people. Like I'm very lazy in my heart. And I've realized, and I, I, I lecture on this sometimes, I talk about on TikTok and on algorithmic content, it's not about making like one really good movie or like one really good song or piece of art that, you, that can carry you. I mean, some people do, but I think that that's not the norm. I feel like what you need to develop is something I call an, uh, it's an infinite content concept, or I call it the IC, the infinite concept. Well, all the big accounts, they sort of operate under a level that their content can be sourced from other people very easily. So for instance, Synthrat, I take a trend and I just make it a Synthrat, right? I never run out of ideas. Uh, Kavi Lane, the most popular TikToker, like built up his entire account off taking trending videos, responding to them in like a very repeated way. Um, as an artist, I, I loathe this ex the existence of this concept very much. I hate having to be like a constantly churning machine. But like the kindness influencers, they've sort of got it made. They rinse and repeat in different Walmarts. It's not about... It's not about the money giveaway. It's about the people they're finding. It's about using those new folks as different actors. Right. And it's very, from a creative standpoint, it's very tough to compete with any with anybody who's doing an IC because they can outproduce you really, really, really quickly. Um, and that's kind of like right now, I'm satirizing kindness content, but like it's only a matter of time before I, I get bored and move on. For sure. And I think that's one of the unique aspects about you is that you do keep evolving, keep changing the content every so often. Oh, I wish when, I didn't. When you see it. <laughs> I like that about you, though, because we don't know what's coming next, what Ugh. to expect, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, you really like to poke fun at the concept on, like, 
faking a video is super cringe. Yes. But but what's even worse is staging content to make yourself the hero at the expense of people in disadvantaged situations. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like that requires a certain uh, sociopathy to even conceptualize those ideas. Like the guys, the guys who think, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll strap a hidden camera on myself and I'll go after strangers in Walmart. Right. Like it takes such narcissism to think that you're the hero in this situation. And they basically, a lot of these guys have successfully gaslit sort of the online community because they're not real. Anybody who doesn't create, anybody who's not an artist, which is the vast majority of TikTok and YouTube users, they don't understand how hard it is to get strangers in your videos because they've never tried. Like they think that, you know, you know, one of these characters, one of these kindness guys will go up to somebody and somebody definitely not doing well and be like, hey, do you want to, can I paint your face? And the person says, no, right? You know, what the hell is this? But what they're not really realizing is that dude who was just approached for the whimsical little game would have never agreed to be on camera. Never. You say, you say, I'm filming a TikTok. Do you want to be in it to an old person or, a, or a, a somebody who's disabled or somebody who's, you know, clearly not doing well in life with their kids? They're gonna they're gonna polite politely tell you to fuck off because nobody wants it. Like, yes, there are exceptions to every rule. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you can bypass that entire moral right. quandary by just throwing on the hidden camera. And I think that's what the kids on TikTok and the commenters and the people who are in favor of this content, they don't really understand that all of those people, in a way, become unpaid, unaware actors in a drama that's already been conceptualized. It's not, it's not a social experiment if you know right. the outcome. What you've done is you've used these people as actors in a skit. You have gone to a low-income area, you've gone to Walmart, because you know if you ask enough people, you might get that one guy, like your likelihood of finding someone crying about their rent at Walmart is a billion times higher than if you go to like a super nice mall. So it, strategically, what people, and I make this point several times in my videos in, in subtle ways, but people aren't watching for the giveaway. Like with Mr. Beast, people are watching for the giveaway. Oh, how crazy it is. You got to touch this car and then you keep it. Last person to touch it gets it. Like the gag is it's funny to give away money like this. Whereas the gag these guys are doing is the gag is, Let's see, let's see if I can get someone super sad and pathetic on camera. Because what people are watching is the true story of someone worse off than them. Now, I'm not denying that they do help these people. Like, that's certainly possible. But I have a feeling, like, and there are very little proof of this, but they're basically, the reason why it takes, it takes them so long to make a video is because they're stalking the Walmart to find the right answer. Because as long as you got that hidden camera on, there's no consequence to failing to get the wrong person. So I could walk up to you in a Walmart. I got that hidden camera on. You look pathetic. And I'm like, yo, uh, I need a dollar for the bus. And you're like, yo, here's a dollar. And I'm like, why? Why'd you help me? And you're like, well, I don't give a shit. You know, whatever. I'm having a bad day. And the guy walks away. You have the, you have the luxury of not editing that scene. That scene never shows up. So, so you can sort of farm the sort of poor people in this situation to find like the most camera ready one. I just saw one recently. Sorry, I'm going to go on a tiny No, no, please. I just saw one recently that Jimmy Darts did where he's asking people if they have or are having a good day in Walmart. And he asked three people. Yeah. It's like two older folks and one disabled person. And I know for a fact if he walked up to them, he's like, you want to be an actor in a TikTok? They'd be like, no. Because older people don't know what TikTok is and it terrifies them. How do I know this? Because I've asked, how do I know this? I've asked dozens of strangers if they want to be in TikToks and it's almost always a no unless they're a business that, I, that I'm familiar with. Anyhow, and then, the, and then he's like, 
three people, they say, yes, you know, I had a good day. So he's just walking around Walmart trying to find someone who's had a bad day so that they can be an actor. And he finds somebody whose car's been hit, been in an accident with, with sad music. And this happened. <laughs> you know, thank God he found, yeah. thank God that person got into an accident so he could film them. It's just, it seems on the surface like a very kind thing. But when you add in the hidden camera, when you add in the subtlety, when you add in the knowledge right. that half these people are never going to know they were on the video at all because right. you know poorer folks and older folks don't use TikTok. They'll never even know. Right. And if they speak out against it, which has happened before, if they're like, no, I really didn't appreciate that, they're going to get annihilated by the fans because they'll be like, screw you. You don't understand kindness. I would be happy to receive $500. I would be happy to meet this angel. Like they're not understanding. A kid in Australia got called out. He, he like gave a... He gave flowers to some lady, some old lady, and she, they made a sob story out of it. And the lady's like, no, I, I don't appreciate this. I think it's very patronizing that you would think that just because I'm an old lady, I would love these dumb flowers that you handed me. And she got harassed. She got harassed. <laughs> she got flamed because like, oh, yeah. you, you know, you're not being grateful. No, ma'am, it's totally wrong. And the kids thing drives me crazy, too, because now these guys are up in their game. Now they're involving kids in all of them. So now their fans have a choice. Either an adult is filming a child without parental consent or it's staged. Make your choice. And it's okay if you like it and it's staged, but just admit it that it's staged at that point. Because if some guy rolled into my, into my space with a hidden camera to pre pretending to be needy yeah. with the intent on putting my child on camera, I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind. And anyone should lose their minds because yeah. the implication is negative. The, the, one of the biggest uh, MD motivator videos. Sorry, last one. No, one of the good. biggest ones is him greeting a child alone in front of the child's house. Hey, man, do you like basketball? And he throws him a basketball. He's like, oh, yeah, I love basketball. The little kid loves basketball. So he brings him to his car. Brings him to his car. No parent in sight. <laughs> this, this is... That's uh, a it, real scumbag. But you see, it's, it's mitigated. The whole thing is mitigated by the giveaway. And, of course, the kid has a dead parent. Of course, the kid doesn't want the money and wants to give it back. You know what I mean? Like... What fantasy world are we living in where, like, it's okay to say it's staged, but to not admit it's staged, to not admit it that it's an, uh, a plug for the NHL, and to not acknowledge the inherent weirdness of filming a minor without parental knowledge, right. I just can't get over that. All right, anyways, new news. Well, Let's talk I, about something else. I, I can't only imagine, though, as you, like, got bigger as an influencer yourself, you could see behind the curtain more. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like at my level and at my experience level, like, I see lots of really dumb concepts and things that are yeah. my, like my big sort of break is when things are presented as reality when they're not like, it's one thing if it's a dumb prank, like we're all used to it, but like, like there's a guy named Joey salads who I always bring up in this context who did a fake car gag where he, during the Trump election, he drove a, a car with Trump stickers into a predominantly black neighborhood. And he's like, what's going to happen? And a bunch of guys beat up the car. And Gee. it was a, it was very racially stoked. The comments right. were obviously extremely racist. And then someone revealed that he just hired actors. They like filmed him from a, a building. And they're like, look, this guy just completely lied. He pretended. And he's like, well, it's for the drama. It's for the fiction. People aren't understanding how dramatically damaging these fictions can be even when they're presented as real because now we have this subculture i mean look in the event you wanted to be weird and you were like wanted to harm a freaking child you know what you could walk up to them with a camera and just be like hey do you follow mr beast like the idea that online people with cameras and people who are doing kindness content 
are approachable and safe right. is super weird to me. There's still a stranger. And, and I don't I don't yeah. doubt that there's at least one person who's put a friend, not even a friend, who's put a stranger or someone in danger because they tried to trick them on one of these freaking hidden camera gags. Damn. You know, I made a joke about that on my channel. Like, yeah. hey, you follow Mr. Beast, but then they kidnap him and take his kidney. Like, that's not so far off. You had a funny kidnapping video with Daniel Mack, actually, recently. I did, I did. I was very Where proud of that Where was that, at one. Vegas? Yeah, we went, no, we went to Los Angeles. Los Angeles? Mm -hmm. and, and can you talk a little bit about that skit for those that don't yeah. know? So Daniel Mack is really, really cool. Like, yeah. I, you know, I make fun of a lot of people online. I make fun, anybody who's like sort of popular enough. I, I know that if I want a cheap gag, I can just satirize them. And he followed me after I started like doing his gag. Hey, what do you do for a living? And I did a lot of like sort of meta gags around that, you know? And then, so he friended me and I was like, yo, like next time we're in town, you want to do a collab? He's like, yeah. And so the gag was, I wanted it to be like one of his videos. That one was very twisty because I wanted him to be reacting to it from the trunk, but I also wanted him to be making a real Daniel Mac video. And I wanted to be someone who kidnaps him and puts him in the trunk. So it was a three-way loop. I was very proud of it, but for those that don't know, baffling Daniel Mac is the guy that's like, Hey, what do you do for a living? Walks yep, up hey, to that's the car. A great car. What yeah. do you do for a living? He, he did recently did that with the president. Yeah, it's great. Daniel Mac is a great example of infinite content is that he's in a position where his brand, as long as there's people with nice cars or even nice jobs or what have you, you know, because that is a universal question. When people see somebody in a super nice car drive by, you see, you know, what does that guy do for a living? You know what I mean? Like, like it's always a tiny question you have in people's heads. And what's glorious is that he hit that hard and he sort of, in a way, he can always recycle that content and always get hits. Initially, when I asked you to do this interview, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know if you'd say yes for sure. You're a very busy guy. Yes, you have a baby yes. with your wife, Hannah. Yes. Um, you oversee multiple channels with millions of followers while simultaneously maintaining a career as a dental surgeon. Orthodontist, but Orthodont yes. Close enough. Yes, close enough. Uh, you occasionally have given lectures about social media at universities. Mm -hmm. You just came back from California. I mean, you're out here living the influencer life, but also the professional career. I mean, <laughs> the two worlds are starting to blend a little bit. Um, like the irony of my orthodontic uh, trip recently was that they actually wanted me to give a speech on social media to a bunch of orthodontists. So the worlds are colliding a little bit. I realize if I ever get, you know, super uninspired, I can always fall back on being an orthodontist and just doing dentist style content on TikTok and just respond, respond to gross teeth. You know, right. it's just another example of like just easy stuff. Like, oh, look, it's a gross tooth. This is exactly what it is. And it's educational, too. So I do like doing it. But you're willing to do what it takes. You've popped. You've put a camera in your mouth. For yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one worked pretty well. I got a friend, actually, who's designing another mouth rig similar to mine, who I like. I showed him what I do. Yeah. His mouth rig looks really good. That's amazing. Like he might his, his is going to be. I don't know if he's going to start making videos anytime soon, but it's going to be better than mine because he's got like a, a probably a slightly better camera position. What are some of the craziest things you've attached cameras to? Because I've seen you attach a camera to a lance on yeah, the Renaissance yeah, yeah. Fair the, videos. A lance and a shield. Those were those what? were super fun. Uh, I attached. I, so there are these guys who do boo hurt, which is the uh, it's like a it's like a sport where guys put on serious business armor and just beat the crap out of right. each other with axes and pikes and stuff. And so I, my, my favorite thing that I've attached camera to is one of those guys in the middle of a fight. <laughs> He's like, 
uh, I'm going to break the camera. I'm like, that's fine. I am willing to uh, take this break. I am sponsored by this camera company. So if I really need another camera, I'm just going to get one. I threw one out of a helicopter, which was cool. But what sucked is that the footage was like damaged beyond repair because I actually got I got. I got a go ahead from the film, from the camera company. I'm like, look, uh, I'm, can I just like, they asked me to drop the camera out of a helicopter. And so I did. And then the camera just smashed into pieces. And the footage was not <laughs> usable. Like I got, I retrieved the SD card and it was just like not usable. And we only had one shot in the, in the helicopter. Like it took me a while to talk to them into being like, hi, I know I'm doing this little tourist rental helicopter, but can I drop a camera out of it onto the ground? Right. They're like this is a weird idea but we're gonna let you do it for no reason yeah and that's pretty much it so yeah i dropped camera out of the helicopter attached it to a lance but attaching it to a, a fighter was probably the my best thing i've attached the camera to like people's heads all the time and chests and stuff uh i attached it to a, uh, a lamborghini which was fun to do like a grand theft auto style shot um so that was really cool. That's when I learned the Lamborghinis are super, super uncomfortable and not a car I would ever want to own. <laughs> <laughs> They're horrible. They only have one. They only have one uh, cup holder. Did you guys know this? You sit in the Lambo, one cup holder. And it's no not, way. And you got to push a little button to get it. I sat in that thing. I looked at my buddy. I'm like, what if your guest has a cup? He's like, yeah, that's not something the Lamborghini owners worry about. It's almost like they went out of the way to make the Lamborghini a, 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 a negative experience when you get in the car. Everything from the height of the car to the one cup holder to the like, you know, crashing into every speed bump. It's like they went out of their way to be like, how can we t like masochistically test people with too much money by giving them a car that is nothing? The trunk space is a joke. You, you're not, you're not, and, and yeah, I, I get it, I get it. Nobody's running errands in the Lamborghini, right? But it, but it brings up a much more existential question of like, why at that point? Like, I, I love getting in my SUV, going to get groceries, popping the trunk open, and the trunk opens for me. Guess what doesn't do that? A, a fucking quarter million dollar Lamborghini that offers me no conveniences. I don't know, whatever. I get that it's a flex. I get that it's a flex. But you can make a comfortable car with that kind of money. I'm sure there's some sort of – I just don't understand why that's not the Flex brand. Like, what is that what Range Rovers are? Like, you got room, <laughs> so you flex it, whatever. Yeah, all, you, need a mom, you need a mom car now, like a soccer mom car. There needs, they need to make some sort of, like, sporty soccer mom minivan for us yeah. dads. It's like there you go. comfort and convenient, but also a big flex. It's, I thought that was going to be the Cybertruck, but I got tired of waiting and, and fuck Elon Musk. So I, right. I got tired of my... my we, I, need, I, we need the equivalent of the Scooby-Doo mystery machine, but the scumbag dad vehicle of it. I think so. Something with a lot of storage space. Not right. Where you just hand out candy to all the kids in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll call it kindness content. It'll right. be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, but I mean, so we're talking a little bit about like your drive because I mean, you're, you're willing to stick a camera in your mouth for content at this point. Well, bear in mind, I'm an orthodontist, so I can rig up a little device go. so I don't choke on it. I always tell people, please don't ever replicate that. Many people have tried, and they think it's a GoPro, and that's fine, because yeah. the GoPro session cannot fit in a human mouth. If you can fit a GoPro session in your mouth, you have a giant fuck. You're a fucking <laughs> giraffe. But my point is that <laughs> lots of people have messaged me trying to figure out right. what camera that is, and I refuse to tell them, because if you try to play that game without proper dental equipment, you will choke on the camera and die. Yeah. And that I, if somebody, if that happened to me, I would be so fucking depressed. 
If some mom is like, oh, he saw your video with the mouth and he decided to do it and then he ran into a tree and choked and yeah. died, I would, I don't know, that would that would cause immeasurable harm to me. It's just so funny. You like Whenever I'm on set with you, it's always like the biggest low budget set you can imagine. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's we like, like if do, that's how you would we like put, to do is a that a disrespectful? Of, no, no, no. That's okay. exactly how, how things yeah. work with TikTok is I like to work with the army I have. So yeah. there's a, a really crummy quote from Donald Rumsfeld where he's like, you, we go, there's somebody in the, somebody asked him a question about military. He's like, well, we go to war with the army we have, not the army we want or might have in the future. And it's such a stupid quote, but it applies to everything about my content creation. Like, I don't write a script and then like get the people to enact it. Like, I might have an idea, but I sort of think about the resources I have and then work backwards from there. Right. So like the tenant scene we shot, it wasn't so much like I want to do a tenant scene. It was like, okay, I could probably get nine people to the mall. I got a couple of Nerf guns. Okay, what can I do that's interesting at the mall with Nerf guns? Okay, so sort of like then I sort of go into like another subcategory in my head. I'm like, okay, well, I could do like a gang gag where we're like rival gangs who are doing something. Um, I could do what I like the most is what I call gauntlet shots where like one character goes through a series of events because it allows me to use all of the different actors all at once. With like, And everybody who shows up, they want to do something, right? Like nobody shows yeah. up to hang out with me and they're like, oh, I hope Brad doesn't have a doesn't role Doesn't give for me a me. line. And, and at the end of the day, like... What's fun about doing a gauntlet shot is that everyone gets like one line or one part and then like everyone's sort of featured equally except for the person in the middle, which right. is, you know, whatever. That's the that's like the most efficient way. But usually like, so for instance, like tonight, you know, I see we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. You know, we've got a house, we've got podcast equipment. So it makes sense to work backwards and try to write a podcast that somehow involves everyone, like a trivia game that people fuck up. Like it would be so easy for us to right now to just do a video where I'm asking you guys um locations like what's this on the map right and you guys don't know it and the gag is americans asked what geography is yeah because it's already like a preconceived notion we don't have to fucking like like we could stage see this is the process right now right is that we could stage a scene right now that just plays into people's sensibilities i could be like for 700 dollars, name three countries in africa and like you screw it up, right? Right. You might be able to, but you screwing it up ultimately will be a, a more successful piece of content on TikTok. The controversy people goes. People will roll in more. and be like, ah, right. Americans, typical Americans. Like we want to play. You know, this the sick thing about that is that is that when you play into preconceived notions, it's always going to work better. And it's going to pay in dividends. Like the people who sort of play against their own race, you know, through humor or whatever, they, even though it's like a little dumb and hackneyed, it's going to work. The Italian husband accounts are the whole, that's their whole freaking thing. But if you want, if we want to come up here and like do honest trivia where I ask him to name three countries in Africa to $200 and he nails it, like that's not very controversial. Nobody's going to make fun of him. They'll be like, okay, great. Some guy got a prize. Like there's no tragedy there. But if we line up one by one, See, it's just a gauntlet shot. He sits down. I ask him a, a question. Um, what's the capital of France? And you're going to say Europe? Europe. And That's then it. Like, yeah. Then he gets up, then you go. Then he gets up, then you go. And it's just a bunch of dumb questions. It could probably be separated into two different TikToks. Odds of them going viral? I mean, can't guarantee anything. But because we made two of them with this number of people, we, we sort of increase our odds. Yeah, so, so, so we, we always make come, a basket of videos. We don't know which one's yeah. going to pop the most. Whenever we just know I, one of them. Will. Whenever I hang out with like Nathaniel and, and all these guys, like we'll usually make three to four videos a day. There will be one video which, like, always nicknamed the base or the hero video, 
which is like the bigger one. But then we do a bunch of garbage videos and sometimes those ones pop off. Like the last time we hung out at the mall, the, the wheelchair one that I did popped off way more than the <laughs> yes, others. It did. And like that was the one that took way less effort than the others. Yeah. And sometimes on different platforms they pop off. Like the one that we did with, with uh, Joy with the Italian gag, like that did way better on Instagram than it did on TikTok. Right. So by diversifying the portfolio and posting to different platforms, we can like incorporate it all. So if we don't come up with a better idea within the next hour, we should just do a couple gauntlet shots of just like Americans can't answer questions. We don't, you know, we would plan it out. You'd say it. And then the gag is like, nobody can make the money. Cause once you put a money prize in the caption, once you put like thousand dollars, if you can name uh, the capital of France yeah, and he's like, Europe, you know, it's dumb. It's staged. I don't particularly like it, but it will get us more hits. That, right. Like, it will give us, give us more hits. For our level of resource right now, which is a bunch of guys just sort of dressed casually with mics, right? Like, we could plan out a script and get props and <clears throat> a bunch of other shit, but that may not be cost effective. Yeah. It's about, like, effort per unit view. And some and, and sometimes it, like, you know, the thing that that's breaking in my brain daily is whether or not to finally capitulate to the nature of the online audience and just stage realistic videos, even though I'm highly against it as, cause I feel like it's like the death of creativity. Once, once you're okay lying to your audience and presenting a real situation as, I'm sorry, presenting a, once you're okay lying to your audience and presenting a false situation as real, you essentially take all the creativity out of yourself. Like pranks are supposed to be funny because you get a real reaction and the anxiety of not knowing it's, it's gonna, for me, I used to do a lot of disguise pranks. Like I would disguise myself in different cities and fuck with my friends, like serious disguises. I did it in Europe once to screw with one of my buddies. Like the anxiety, the fun is that you don't know if it's gonna work. And sometimes I would do a disguise prank and it wouldn't work and that's okay. But when you set up all the variables and you create a stage situation as a prank, to, to me that takes no skill. Nobody in your crew is skilled. Like from your editor to your actors, like at that point, you haven't accomplished anything other than create like this dumb clickbaity thing that to me, like as a fucking arrogant doctor artist, like you will never earn my respect. And that's fine. You don't need it. You don't need it. You got a yeah. 500 million kids who are now your audience, but impressionable kids though. Yeah. Impressionable kids who will buy it. Like they're okay. And, and so many times like people will call out a prank for being fake and people are like, I don't care to entertain me, which is actually a really dangerous mentality. Cause how far do you push that? You know, does that extend into the political sphere? What about Joey salads who broke, beat up a car to, to convince people that black people hate Trump? Like how far does your, Oh, it's entertainment sort of go anyways. Everybody I'm on, I, went, I went on another tear there, but but in conclusion, you guys just saw the process. Now we have a video. So once we're done with this, we can easily, and this could be a BTS. If it goes viral, it can be like, look, we came up with this on fucking set. And the editor, it'll be very simple, split screen bit with the map. And I'll be like, name, you know, name the capital of this country. And it's like super obvious. And everyone gets it wrong. Not only gets it wrong, gets it horribly wrong. And then that's it. And then, then if we want to double down on the gag is I could then ask them a question about a firearm. Okay. Right. I can be like, can you name this? Okay. Don't know that. All right. Tell me the name of this firearm. And he's like, that's a Beretta Mag 9 360 with a, with a, with a, with a custom scope. You know what I mean? Like, like, so we now are playing into the mentality that Americans are dumb and we only know about guns. Right. 
So again, not saying we definitely have to go that direction, but that's like a secondary but it's cool. gap. I mean, because you're thinking about a larger demographic than just a U.S. demographic there. Because you're saying well, yeah. it would be non-Americans viewing that and being and like... They, and they yeah. already think Americans only think about yep. guns all day. And so if we are uncreative people, which based on what I'm talking about, I must be, then playing into an easy gag, like all Americans love guns or all Italians go crazy when you break the pasta, like you essentially develop like a workable system that's endlessly repeatable because in an ideal world, these prejudices would just fade. We would understand that people are people and like not all Americans are obsessed with guns. Not all Italians have a conniption fit when you break the pasta in front of them. But those things stay funny because we as a culture <laughs> sort of always keep those gags on top yeah and, and it's time to just admit that's not going to change i think what's really cool about you i mean you mentioned the tenant video like we filmed that in reverse yeah we did that in reverse you know what mean? like so that's what i mean takes. by high budget like by low budget but like seemingly high budget videos but they're yeah. low budget like I see a common reaction on your content. You know, when I'm looking through the comments, especially on the videos I'm in, you know, I got to see they're talking about me. But uh, I see a lot of people being like, wow, I can't believe this is free. Like, I can't believe you're providing this level of content for free. Like, it's like, I have no choice. Right. You don't have a show yet. I have no, well, no, I have no choice because I'm 40. <laughs> because no one wants to see me dance. No one wants to see me lip sync. I'm a happily married man. Like there's no, there's no like with my content, I can't make people fall in love with me. Yeah. Like I believe that there's a strong section of the TikTok and YouTube shorts audience where a lot of the content's based on the personality where they're not particularly good editors or particularly funny right. or like, you know, particularly, you know, they have like crazy viewpoints, but they have personalities that you love. You know, that when they talk, you love to listen to them. You love the way they speak. You love their style, whatever. In a way, like there are a lot of accounts that are based on how lovable the person is. I don't think I'm lovable at all. There is nothing sympathetic. Oh, stop it. I'm a, I'm a tall, <laughs> happily married professional. There's, it's, it's, I'm inherently unrelatable. So to counteract that... All my content needs to have these like multiple layers of entertainment because if I just if I just lip sync a song or I do a thirst trap or, um, you know, just sort of do a, my, my rants often don't work. And it's because at the end of the day, you know, the only way I'm going to get ahead in this game, which is highly competitive, is I need to sort of go above and beyond the regular Call of Duty. Right. You know, my my videos have to have a level of sort of thought beyond the regular TikTok, otherwise a younger, more attractive person will just right. take my audience. I mean, obviously like they refer to you as like an influencer because you influence people, but I think it's something of note to to like think about like how comedy can, you know, spread a message of like anything you'd want through comedy and people will listen yeah. to that more than so just like a politician or something. Like if you're spreading actual awareness around, you know, content creators and the shady stuff, mm-hmm. the fake videos through satire videos. I think that's going to really get people to pay attention. I do feel, I do feel like satire is this, the best way to get an audience for a message. I've yes. been a big fan of like, look at SNL. I mean, yeah. they're constantly well, doing political humor. SNL might humor not be and... the best example. I would say, I would hold say, up, hold up. Let's get Brad's thoughts you know, on SNL right now. Well, no, I'm just, I just, it was not that, that. like <laughs> SN, SNL, it seems like SNL, they, they like, they just make fun of TikTok all the time. They <laughs> right. like make fun of influencers, which is my gig, but whatever. Who gives a shit? Hey, that's my job. But but like I feel like like certain stand-up comics like Bill Hicks and Doug Stanhope, yeah. for instance. I don't know. Do you guys does anybody know Doug Stanhope around here? 
Nah. I'm gonna I'm gonna briefly tell you a Educate Doug Stanhope us. gag that I yes. think is brilliant. Doug Stanhope has a bit called "An Ugly Woman Who Could Sing," and in this gag, Doug Stanhope talks about Susan Boyle. Do we remember her? Susan Boyle is a woman who yes. everyone booed on a TV show, and then she sang, and everyone cheered. Right? Really nice story, right? Really pretty. That story, Doug Stanhope was like, that story is not about how wonderful people are. It's about how piece of shit we are. Facts. Because. Because as soon as they saw she was ugly, they booed her. They, they, really hissed, did. they laughed. But once she sang, oh, she's okay. So next time you see an ugly person and you want to boo and jeer at them, see if they'll sing you a little song first. And like that is such a poignant viewpoint because, you know, it's one of those times where I, you know, I love stand up comedy, but I listen to stand up comic and I'm like, oh, it's like, like a vacuum. Like, like all of a sudden my vision went tunneled. I'm like, he's right. That was fucking evil yeah. to parade Susan Boyle around and make fun of her. And don't get me wrong, she's had a successful career. Like the net, there is an argument that there's a net positive there, but the overlying story isn't like, wow, look at this great singer. It's, wow, look at this woman who overcame being traditionally unattractive to be a singer, and now we all like her. Yeah. And that's how superficial we are. Um, so, so to your point, and sort of to conclude with that, is that. You know, I find that the only way to, like, even with Scumbag Dad, even when Scumbag Dad was popular, it was popular because it was a high budget show, essentially, compared to other TikToks. Like, this was still a time when, you know, there was basically like Zach King doing big, big budget, like, tricks, and then no one doing narratives. It was a lot of, like, back and forth skits. And don't get me wrong, like, a lot of those people are very talented, but there was a lot of those back and forth, like, green screen TikTok skits. And I was doing this sort of, like, immersive first-person action series that involved, like, special effects and shit. So, so it worked for me because if I had done anything less, I don't think I would have succeeded. Yeah. No, I knowing you, you know, you may plan out the videos to some extent, but for the most part, we improv them on it's the day so of. so much improv. You know, and yeah. I... That's why even this podcast, I didn't want to run over all the questions with you or anything. Well, now, now we should spend at least 20 minutes bit. doing the fake, doing the fake uh, interview. <laughs> Let's bit. do it. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, and what, what, what would help, I mean, for next time is we should probably, to, to be honest, if we want to do more alpha male um, podcast or like podcast yes. guys, we need girls. Yep. So I can call just, just to be foils. Cause if him and I want to like pretend like all girls are the same and then we have a girl argue. So I'm going to reveal the surprise right now. I'm surprising you and. A girl's coming over, and so is a guy. Or some old friends of yours. Old friends of yours. Raw oh. reality. And oh, I his love fiance. those guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, okay. They're coming over. Well, you didn't at have to spoil it. I would have just been happy seeing them. No, I know. Them. I wanted it to be a surprise. Oh, okay. But that's they're going nice to come. So we will have a girl over here if you want to do. Oh something. no, no, no. That that's actually great. No, yeah. we'll be able to use but, her in a skit. That's fantastic. <laughs> he just spoiled the fucking surprise. Yeah, I love Raw Sorry, Reality and shit, Nina. But, uh, they were uh, some of our first like uh, creative friends that we started hanging out with regularly. They're in the first season. Dude, Jason of is the first Dad, season correct? of Scumbag Dad. He's in one of the most pop. He's in one of the episodes that I'm the most proud of, which is the dentist office episode. He's in two dentist office episodes. Tell me more about Actually, working with Jay. Like you, that's how he introduced Joy to you. Yeah, correct? yeah, yeah. That's correct. Is is one day we were shooting TikToks and he's like, "Oh, there's this like model in town." And I'm like. I know if she wants to, if she wants to choose TikTok, let's rock and roll. And then she said, let's, you know, they called her up and she said, let's go. And then I wrote a, a script that day. She was hanging out with a dude. So I'm like, fuck, I got to write a script right now. And I did, which was like a, a cult script where she's like the leader of a cult. And, uh, you know, the scumbag dad series was, was an, another thing where I could get a group of people together and I was, 
I wasn't really heavily moderated at the time, so I could do almost any plot. Like I could do a killing plot or a, a plot about drug dealing, and you know, I could kind of get away it with it. It was before all the banning. It was before flagging. all the banning. All the banning started in 2022. Like, it, it, I'll never, for, I'll never forget the elation I felt in January of 2022, and the downfall of that elation in March of 2022. Because in January of 2022, that's when my YouTube took off, and that's when I started to see crazy more serious money from YouTube than I'd seen from TikTok. And I was like, and that January, I was like, yo, this is going to be a job. I should start taking this very seriously. And so I blew up on YouTube and that was my first time. It was when we were in the Maldives. And that, that January, I was like, let's take this seriously. Let's go. And I wanted to take Scumbag Dad to the next level because that was my main series at the time. And that February and March, I spent like 20 days banned on TikTok. Wow. I would do a video. I'd go down. I'd appeal it to go up, then it'd go down. Now I'm banned for four days. And they don't tell you why, They obviously. don't tell you, but I'd appeal it. But the problem is I would start getting banned. Like I think, if it, I think March or April of last year, I think I could only post for like 11 days total, like up for that month or something. Cause I kept getting like appealed and banned and they, they they're really crummy about it. Nobody gets back right. to me. And so it made me change everything. It made me like, like all my friends, we were always also hyped doing the Scumbag Dad series. And like I had these big ideas, bigger action scenes. I have a, 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 a blood squib. Like I have a squib to shoot confetti out of people's chests to right. do like gunshots. Like there were so many, like the, the mafia plot was like one of the last ones that I actually tried to make violent because I was getting banned so often. And it came to the point where I'm like, well, if I'm going to do Scumbag Dads, the whole goal of the Scumbag Dad series, and I'll reveal this right now because there's no Please. sense in not doing it, but... The overarching message of the Scumbag Dad series is that it's a parasocial relationship between Scumbag Dad and the kid, similar to the relationship between a an, similar to the relationship between an influencer and their followers. Scumbag Dad, it's questionable whether or not he ever loves the kid or even cares, but uses the kid to gain money and power. The kid is more powerful, but by him making the kid like him, he turns the kid into a killing machine. He turns these, the kid into a criminal just to sort of maintain some iota of hope that there's approval. And the overarching sort of message of that series is that other people were going to come into the story who might objectively care about the kid more, but the kid keeps on helping the more dangerous member of the family. Like I had the mom was going to come in, the fuck the kid was going to take over the gang and start killing regular characters right. who we'd seen. Like post Maldives. And he was going to grow up and kind of take He was going to become take, older take and become back. a threat to scumbag right. dad to the point where he meets the he or she, I'm sorry. The kid was always genderless in the okay. Scumbag Dad series. But the That's point cool. where they reveal, where, like there's a whole backstory. Mom and dad met because Scumbag Dad was a soldier. Yeah. You know, was a soldier back back in a previous war. And he, he was abandoning his duties, you know, to go party. And he met the wife. He met yeah. the, the mother of the kid. There are siblings. There was an entire sibling arc. And I had to throw it all in the fucking garbage. It, it's, and I'm still mad about it. Yeah. Because... Because there was, because once at the end of the day, it's a story about violence. It's a story about the, the depression of the kid and how they cope. And once I realized I couldn't have the kid punch or shoot someone or hold something that looks even remotely dangerous, right. I'm like, well, where are the stakes? Well, now, now a different character always has to be beating somebody up. Now a different character always has to do the kill shot. Right. It became, I mean, it became like super, like I became existentially sad about it. Yeah. And honestly, that's why I started making fun of people. 
around March of 2022. I started making fun of Erica Kullenberg, the lady who does the, uh, oh, my, my plane's late. Well, I know this and you owe me $3,000. Like, how do you know this? So I follow Erica. One of the first, I, I did her and Nicholas Crown, which is the rich versus really rich guy. Those were the first two big, like, sort of people. Like, I made like an ongoing series to make fun of them. But that was just aftermath of Scumbag Dad. I was so mad at the platform. I was so mad at sort of like the fact that I, for the first time in my life, I was like, maybe I'm good at something besides orthodontics. And I'm like, and I was looking at my wife, I'm like, maybe we can make a future. And then within six weeks, I'm like, wow, that entire thing that I had made an outline for and put this ballsy amount of work into and talked all my friends into and said, this is going to be our thing. Guys, we're going to the top. Right. I now have to look at everybody and say like, look, we can't do it. The only way we can do it is with a weird nerfed version and it's never going to accomplish the original goal. Right. Like, could you imagine Breaking Bad if like in season three, they're like, yeah, Walt can't kill. Yeah, Walt right. can't kill. So so that's it. Walt can't hurt it and we can't show any deaths. That's right. it. Like, like the story, I mean, it might have been okay, but it never would have become what it was. And that's how I sort of, it's not that I, I don't think I'm as good as, you know, Vince Gilligan, but I, I felt like I was just like a stake was driven through me and I'm like, well, I need a new content concept. And I slowly started to sort of peer into satire. In a way, Scumbag Dad was satire on the nice guy dads of TikTok. In a way saying like, he's nice to you, but he's only using you for clout and power at the end of the day. Um, but I'm like, okay, how can I now apply this satire to other creators? And sometimes it's very light where I just make fun of somebody very easily. And sometimes I go, I try to go heavy and that's it. Let's be honest. You're a much bigger like influencer than us. I'm but you're still working with just us. a regular guy. That's true. Yeah. It's true. But we appreciate the fact that you would show love to like a smaller creator too. You know, yeah. and, then, and, you know and kind of prop their channel up as well. Yeah, you, you know, approached me and you were like, "Your style is dope," and I'm like, "Hey, kid, you want to act?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we met organically though. Weirdly, yeah, I didn't know life. who you were when we met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Then, thanks to my fashion. So yeah. Well, and that's let's talk about that for a second. So you've become a little bit of a fashion icon, in my opinion. Like, I mean, look at the, what what you got on here. I've what got is that? Yo face. I'm wearing. You, my, you got on your wife's. Clothing. I got on my wife's clothing, and I'm wearing a just a, a Gucci necklace that. And I that's Yo face on Instagram, right, and yeah. we'll tag Zev Wolf, his baby, yeah. and everybody and his family's got a page by yeah, now. Yeah. When I so. met my wife, she um, bought me a pair of pants that were like too thin on too too. They were too uh, tight on me. But I got a couple compliments from yeah. like ladies, and that made me like made my self esteem go crazy. And I'm like, oh man, I look good in these pants. I should work out so I can fit into them better. And that's exactly what I started to do. Right. So I started to get fit, and I'm like, oh wow, I look much better. Uh, I should like wear nicer clothes so I look, you know, just as good as my wife because my wife is beautiful and she's like super duper fashionable. So I started to sort right. of amp up my activity, and I started to get more interested in designers, and I started to read up, read up more, and like try to find sales because I always like a deal. And so through that process, I have become like, uh, I, I love wearing like silly, crazy fashion stuff. Like when my friends and I go out in um, like Vegas, we look. We look like the LSD Avengers. Like we're all dressed like cr <laughs> as crazy amazing. as possible, and I like that yeah. because I like the new friends I've made through social media because we look like lunatics. I want you to explore fashion talk a little bit more. You so, know, like a little bit more fashion TikTok. I mean, I don't like the thing is I'm not heavily involved with fashion talk because every time I try to make a fashion video, like every time I try, to, every time I try to make a straight up fashion video, it doesn't do very well. Yeah. I always have to do like a joke involved. I really like Wisdom Eight, and I really like a lot. I, 
I like a lot of the fashion folks on TikTok. I'm like super open. There's a uh, there are a lot of big creators I follow, and a lot of like really small ones that I like. You know, I, I like to watch what's new. I like to see. What I like about TikTok is that creators will tell me like new fashion lines and new brands long before I could have ever researched them on my own. And I've found like quite a few of these brands just uh, through TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to go to their website. And I'm going to buy that from that boutique because that looks badass. I love supporting like it's usually the smaller brands that have the really dope stuff sometimes like the really oh, yeah. niche like creators out there that just like spend all their time doing it. Not the big companies all the time for me like. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, there's I so got many, this from like a vintage thing. Like you know, I just like the little yeah. eclectic little pieces. T- TikTok gives some of those characters a shot, like with the really crazy yep. pieces and like really interesting creativity. And Hannah and I have supported like all sorts of creators and like fashion folks just because we found out about them through TikTok. I mean, I took this picture of you one time. You were wearing this UFO sort of jacket. We yeah. were at a grocery store doing some content and. Yeah, that jacket is just sick, man. Val- it was a UFO. It's a Valentino undercover collab, and it's one of my favorite jackets. <sighs> and I will take it's... any opportunity to wear it as long as it's cold enough. That coat yeah. is badass, man. Thanks. Speaking of UFOs, mm. do you believe? Do you believe in like? Sure, aliens yeah, I believe and... in aliens. There got to be aliens. The odds of there not being aliens right. are just too low to ignore. Now, whether or not we're ever going to get to hang out with them is doubtful do you know do you would you expect them to be observing us potentially already or do you think it's like more far out to no no I, I think i think it's i think all? it's way too far out i think unfortunately i'll die before i ever get to meet a cool alien right like like just the 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 the, the vast differences in technology must be crazy like right. it's either the aliens are spying on us and they're way beyond us and they look at us like we look at you know boring fish or um, they're super behind us and we'll end up just destroying them once we find right. them. Like the human conquering instinct will be like, oh, yes, we found the Zelbian people. Uh, yeah, we're going to kill them because they're going to hurt our freedom. Or like, you know, they, they like we're going to destroy their planet. Like yeah. I could easily see human beings in like 4,000 years as being the invasive alien that we write about. Like, oh no, they ruined their world through like weird politics and pollution. (laughs) So now we're conquering other worlds and we're like conquering bugs, like a peaceful bug alien race who have to fight against humans. I mean, for all we know, we live in Star Wars. Like we could just be one of the planets that aren't part of the space police and the galaxy. That's the problem with the multiverse. Yeah, that's why infinity is just too much to deal with because... At the end of the day, uh, we we can't know. Yeah. And so yeah. even though it'd be cool to know. Uh, We've only think... really traveled to a couple yeah. nearby A couple areas. of the boring ones with just dust. Boo. So uh, we were talking about UFOs a little bit. So I do want to ask, you know, do you, have you ever experienced any paranormal phenomena or anything like that? No. No, no, no ghost experiences that no. you can't explain. <laughs> no, Screw my wife. <laughs> my wife tells me about ghostly experiences all the time. About how like, has she experienced any? Well, she'll say she has, and I'm, I'll never say no. But to the right. best of my knowledge in my life, you I've think never, she's just getting your goat? Like, just I think she's. Well, I think I think that spectral experiences are just too cool to be real. Like that'd be so cool. And you know, at the end of the day, I, I just don't feel like any sort of like spooky coincidence is actually a ghost. And that makes me a little shitty. And That's fair. I wish I could believe, but nah. My wife believes in ghosts and I spirits, haven't seen so anything like don't. too unexplainable ghostly wise yet, but I'm open to it. You know, I don't. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, <laughs> were you hoping I was going to have a crazy answer? Like, I mean, I didn't yeah, know if you've seen time. like a door like open on its own or something sometime and no. like. 
It's hard because some of these videos I've seen online, you talk about fake videos. So yeah, they fake be, them all the time. Yeah, but it'd be Did cool you know? to get your opinion on this. So like, what do you think of like when you see those videos and they're like older videos and it's just a bunch of like drawers opening on their own, oh, silver flying out garbage. and all that. It's just strings attached you, to it all and dude, stuff. Dude, you know, I don't know. I don't talk about this too much, but my most popular live on TikTok ever was 3,000 people. More than that. Way more, actually. I didn't know. That's but insane. all of it was, it was just me and my buddy fucking around. Like, I had a flashlight. I was going around the house, and he was making ghost noises. And I was like, what's that? I'm so scared. <laughs> it's it always at so night when they have dumb. to see him. <laughs> and I was like, really? Because yeah. I do a lot of lives, and I'll go on. I'll be like, tell, talk about my day. or give people advice on TikTok or whatever. And I'm so embarrassed that, like, the best live I ever did on TikTok was just me with a flashlight and my buddy going, like, like from the other room and slamming a door and like people being, what's that? Are you in a haunted house? Like, yeah. I'm sure most of them knew I was just doing a skit, but like, I do feel like there was a small percentage who was like, wow, this is it. I'm going to see a real ghost. So you've never played with like a Ouija board or no, something? No, I played with Ouija boards. I think they're fun Nothing as hell. happened? No, no, no. Nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing happened that we didn't want to happen. Right. But like, that's what makes Ouija boards fun as hell. Right. You could it's just your friends spelling things You for could suspend sometime. disbelief for a second and you yeah. could play games with your buddies I'm scared to mess with a Ouija board, man. You shouldn't be either. It's just a piece of You think of it's cardboard. just a board? It's yeah. just a board. It's just a board. Yeah. Ghosts have way better things to do than talk yeah. to you. Right. Once I'm dead in the afterlife, I don't care who wants to call me with a Ouija board. <laughs> I am way too busy doing whatever awesome thing it is to be doing in the afterlife. Like, boo, how boring. So, just be like, yes, I left your inheritance in the basement. Now I want to do a little bit of a quick round. I'm just going to quickly just, you know, say like favorite video game and I would want your kind of a quicker answer. Sure. So what's your favorite video game? Do you, do you have one? Dark Souls. Games? Okay. Favorite dish? Uh, Penang Curry. Favorite board game? Settlers of Catan. Favorite movie? Dude, favorite movie. Jesus, I love so many fucking movies. That's I got to go faster here. Couple favorites. Oh, my favorite movie of my life. Um, I'm just going to pull the fucking trigger and say Adaptation. Okay. I was not expecting that one. Well, I was going to say Army of Darkness because that was my favorite as a kid, which is just like a garbage movie about a man killing the undead with a chainsaw arm and a shotgun. <laughs> But like as I've gotten older, you know, obviously You've I've matured. Well, no, I've, I've just watched <laughs> Army of Darkness so many. Oh, nothing in it. I've just watched Army of Darkness so many times. I'm yeah. like, you know what? It's, this isn't like a proud movie to admit. This is my favorite as not a child. Like I've yeah. seen so many like sort of objectively better films. To be honest with what you, what about like some TV shows you're watching right now? Well, right now, uh, I mean, obviously, I loved The Last of Us. That was a really, really fun show. I, I. I Absolutely love it. I love Attack on Titan. I love Attack on Titan. What a great... Are there any other animes you watch? I watch a ton of anime. Shoot. Um, I'm trying to think of like the last series that we finished. I was watching the Fate series for a while, which if you're familiar, like it's super, it's super duper silly. Like I like how the timelines are all like messy. They, they're not really consistent. There's, there's like a humor in that to me. I also really liked... Uh, it's called Scissor 7. I think it was like a Chinese animated feature, animated series, which was like anime style. And it was sort of a comedy where like the, the character was put in all these like sort of dumb situations where he's like a bit of an asshole. And I really, really, really liked Scissor 7. So 
Um, as far as like other television shows, I got into Severance for a minute, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't finish it. I just wish I had more time, man. I went, yeah. I didn't even feel finish Elden Ring, man. I'm too busy trying to be a content creator. <laughs> guys, guys, all I want to do is play Elden Ring in my studio. I don't want to do anything else. I get so tired. The thing about you, man, is like you're so busy and you don't have time for those things because even every time I'm with you, we get a video done, get two done, three done. There is no And fun. you're still just like, let's do another one. Well, we let's have do to. Another one. Otherwise, like, I'm going to flop. You ha- even like, Saturday, we're going to a basketball game. Yeah. I've planned a video. Yeah. We're not going to watch. I mean, it's we're going to watch DNA a basketball game, but it's just like I do look forward to the point in time where I get to finally not do this. I feel like I do know enough influencers in the space, and I've sort of had some contact with influencers who are much more successful than me, and their schedules are psychotically good. I'm talking working three days a month and then calling it, like, and then that's it. You yeah. made your all your content. You're gonna. Re- your editor, your writer, whatever is going to put that stuff together. They release one video every three days and you are done. And that is an admirable, to posi- that is a very admirable position to be at. So I don't know if I'll ever get there, but the day I finish Elden Ring is probably the day I've actually become successful at this because once I realized I was playing a lot of Elden Ring and I'm like, wow, I haven't made a video in three days. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I should start Twitch streaming Elden Ring. But then I did and I wasn't talking. Everything is Because I was so into Elden Ring. And I'm like, you know what? Elden Ring is taking up too much of my time. I told my wife, I'm like, I got to stop playing Elden Ring. Why? I got to get back into making videos. I got to call the guys, you know? I have a vision. And it makes me sad because that is a good game. Right. It's- Favorite comic book? You read comic books? Oh, dude, I used to read comic books all the time. I used to collect The Amazing Spider-Man. Now, that's probably old school at this point. I used to collect The Amazing Spider-Man. I loved collecting Gambit. Back in, like, I don't know, it must have been the 90s, early 2000s, Gambit had his own series. I don't even know if he's even a popular superhero anymore in the X-Men, but, yeah, I liked him a lot. He was super-duper fun, and I guess my default answer would be The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, But sort of my secondary answer is I liked Gambit. All right, last one of the quick round. Dream Collaboration. You know that it's fucked up to say that because well not not, not it's not a wrong question but like my dream my, the issue with me is I don't have a lot of dream collaborations like there are certain creators who I follow who I admire a lot and I've actually had the fortune to like already collaborate with them like yeah. Stanzi Potenza for instance was like a super funny um, and I wanted to collab and I collab collab with her all the time. There's a guy in New York named Andrew Russo, who's another like sort of similar size creator to me. Yeah. And actually, uh, I met, I DM'd him when I was in New York to like, see if he wanted to hang out. He didn't get back to me. I feel like, I feel like I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. But Andrew Russo is super duper funny. I would love to collab with him at some point. But as far as like dream collab, like if what I what about come, like a Mr. Beast? If Has he ever with, reached out? Uh, Mr. Beast did reach out. We, we actually scheduled something, but then they, they delayed it. Uh, I don't know if they, like, my schedule's, like, messed up because they gave me a bunch of days, right? And I'm like, wow, all of those days I'm an orthodontist. Like, all of them. Yeah. I'm like, can we pick another one? He's like, I don't know, not till March. Maybe that's the universe telling you, man. You got to cut back that orthodontist stuff. I'm going to cut back eventually. And do what... But Mr. They, B stuff. They ended you know? up delaying me. Now, I can't tell if they delayed me because of scheduling issues or because I keep on hammering kindness influencers. A little but, bit of both. <laughs> but I mean, you know, maybe. Well, isn't that, I mean, I'm sure they probably wanted no, no, to they, get, they ahead, wanted, of, get they, ahead of the I, joke. When we chatted about ideas, it was all about doing like a dark twist on Mr. B stuff. And I've already got That'd a million. Amazing. I, I've got a million ideas that are dark twists on Mr. B things. 
Please do One that. One of my most viral YouTube videos is like a take on the do you follow Mr. Beast like idea. Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as like dream collab, if I had to like come up with someone that, that that's like, that I admire, that I admire like on a substantial level, God, I mean, ugh, this is going to sound super pretentious, but to do a Christopher Nolan collab would be the best. Now he's Dude, not like put a it out there, man. You don't know what will but happen. But the thing is with Christopher Nolan, I don't know if Christopher Nolan's ever going to see this. I love his concepts. I love his directing. But buddy, you got to make your villains more likable. <laughs> like Inception... The villain is like the dream of the main character's ex-wife, yep. boo. And then, then uh, what is it? Can anybody tell me the name of the villain in um, Tenet? No. No. Nobody understands that. he's just like man. boring, generic, sort of like, like, like sort of very vague villain with very vague sort of like dumb motivations. Right. What Tenet needed was a crazy time scientist. Like, that's what it needed. Like, somebody really, what I feel like Christopher, with the exception of Batman, but, but he didn't write the Batman villain, so it's not even him. Right. But, like, I love the twisty, turny, like, narrative takes. And I feel like if I ever hung out with Christopher Nolan, not that it'll ever happen, but I feel like if we ever hung out and worked on a project, it would be, like, his signature, like, twisty. Like, I love following and memento, like, all his shit. But it would be, like, his signature, like, twisty narrative style, but I'd be able to give it some fucking levity. Yeah. Some fucking jokes. Yeah. You know, like, or at least like a comically hilarious villain like we had in the 80s. People who, people who not ironically in the movie say like, you and me, we're not so different after all. Like, I just miss that. Yeah. That sort of like bombastic character. And I feel like as much as I love Christopher Nolan's movies, you know, doing a collab with someone, ideally I should, you know, something good about me should go into that yeah. situation. And that's what I would bring to the table is like some fucking levity. You know, I really don't put it out of the possibility of happening. I really yeah, don't. I probably not. <laughs> Christopher know, Nolan, man. give me a call. I mean, you're a pretty big creator. But all right, so how big of a creator are you? Like, do you know how many views you have and stuff? Oh, uh, like, it's uh, it's like a it's very high. It's must be enough. It's got to be hundreds of millions, over a billion, maybe in the billions. Over a billion, I don't know. it's got to be. I, I have I have five point one million followers on TikTok, two point two million on. YouTube and uh, 317k on Instagram, but like, let's not let these numbers, you know, distract anybody. Like, just because you have these big numbers, you know, your 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 income, engagement amount, matters, income, and everything else. Your income, too, the engagement, and... the brand deals, they only care about your recent engagement. They don't care what you've done in the past. Yep. Like they look, you know what I mean. So, and in so far as numbers go, I mean, my numbers look extremely impressive, but the numbers are just a representation of how I've done in the past. I mean, obviously right. they are, but yeah. my, my numbers, my follower number, I feel like one of the things that is meaningful is that now that I'm in this space and the veil has been peeled away, you know, back two years ago, if you told me I'd have 2 million on YouTube, I, I thought, I used to think that I'm over a million on YouTube means mansion in the hills you know what i mean it yeah. means it means no you're retired your mom's got a new house and that is not the case follower inflation is a thing and as these short form platforms get bigger and bigger like a follower number means different if you had a million followers five years ago on tiktok everyone knew you they knew your birth date you were charlie D'Amelio. that's where charlie d'amelio was yeah and now like i feel like this sort of minimum to start really like now I could be wrong, but I feel like I feel like having, you know, a million followers does not necessarily guarantee a career. I think having sure. five million does not necessarily guarantee a career. I feel like even ten million might not guarantee you a financially successful career. 
on short form content because the threshold for livable income gets so high because new people keep entering the space and your follower number means a lot less now than it did a year ago. Yeah. It's it's just so cool what you do though, man, because like you ask most kids, you know, what they want to be when they grow up. They used to say astronaut. Yeah. Now they say to. content creator. Because it's uh you know because it's what they, they look up to people like it's you. They're heroes now. But I've seen I've seen these kids like you're the best with your fans, man. Like for real. Like at the mall, like we'll be in the middle of something. You'll like stop and give them individual time. But like it's sometimes these like kids. And these kids like they know your content from the back of their hand and they're just like that's because the parents yeah that's because the parents are neglectful <laughs> whenever i see like a really young kid like approach me in You're public like, what the hell? And I'm like, they're like i love your content i'm like you mean the drug dealer father content right where he that's kills fair. people and talks his child into killing yeah oh great nice to meet you you know what i mean <laughs> i do I, like it does it does make me happy we we're just to, sniffing the table don't yeah. worry about that we went to a mall in <laughs> california and we were doing a shoot and it actually like it was constant and i was i was very happy about that like yeah. like it was super cool to like constantly like young people like a couple people in their 20s came up to me can i get a picture you'll scumbag that picture some kid yelled at me from a park garage scumbag and he was filming me That's i'm like a- yo and then he's like yeah and then he walked away but it was to the point where the other two people with me were like this is actually uh kind of making our shoot a little slower <laughs> so so whatever i've done i've done it sort of right but you know the internet's a fickle mistress just because i'm doing okay now does not mean i'll be doing okay For sure. a year from now where do you think it does all go like have you thought about that at all i mean i think that the answer eventually will uh resolve itself in a like larger series that's like up away from short for sure they're gonna give you your own Um, show someday i I, I really yeah i really believe that i think that that's that's one branch of it i feel like also i'm about to start a new songwriting arc um uh, i've been a musician for a long time and so uh, yeah here we go so what I'm doing is next week I'm going to LA to write songs with a couple people, and then two weeks later I'm going to my best friend's uh, house to write a bunch of songs with him. And the goal is to take the lessons I've learned and the platform I've gained to try and sort of pivot into being a musician again, which is how I started. And so like me being like a comic doing all this crazy bullshit, like I love doing it. Um, but but my original right. intent was to write. You songs. probably like when you see yourself, see yourself as like a musician more so than like a comedian. Well, writing first, music. Right? I mean, oddly enough, writing music comes easier to me than all the things you see me do. Yeah. It's just that it doesn't pay me any money. You know, with the exception. I of know Captain the struggle, Dan. man. And same here. Yeah. I started with music. It's not what I do. It's hard. All the it's time, so though, hard now, to be a successful know? musician. Yeah. You know. You know. You either need to have, you know, just. Cr- Crazy Dylan's engine. But now get really with the platform lucky. you have, you have a shot. Well, that's the idea is I've tried plugging. Pushing that back out, right? I think I have a shot. The only, I, I just need to get the song, right? So you can do that over the course of the next two months. I'm going through two songwriting sessions, working with people who are like sort of way more talented than me. There are a couple guys in LA. There's a smart death and a guy named Matt Malpass. Maybe I'm maybe it's Malpass, but they they wrote a song with me recently, and then we hung out. We had a party, and uh, you know they thought I was cool. And I'm like, look, guys, this is what we should do. And they are pros. Like a member of their team wrote a he's on a Lizzo song. To be fucking wow. serious, like you know, I, I don't want to start name dropping because no, know, go ahead. Not a, we a need some sound head. bites, but because because I don't think I don't know if that guy's coming to the songwriting session, so I don't want to say this that's guy's fair. coming. But that's I'm just fair. saying that's the crew, right? That that's I'm the caliber of people work with. 
and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. But if it doesn't, I don't really care. I'm an orthodontist. <laughs> You'll <laughs> you know, be fine regard. I've I been to your house, man. I'm, You're I'm doing okay. <laughs> I, got and, I got a wife and kid and that's what makes me inherently unlikable. But I'm just doing okay. I mean, but that's the, I mean, so if a show did give you, like if a show syndicated your character someday, gave you complete creative freedom for Scumbag Dad yeah. and you could just, what would that show look like? That would be the easiest. Honestly, it would be Hardcore Henry with jokes. Yeah. Like I loved the movie. That's Hardcore what you always Henry. wanted to do. That's, anyway. what, I always that's to what it do. was supposed oh, to be. That's what, yeah. If, if they didn't fuck me up, the, the end, the platform that the you're on, the main goal, which I still you. plug is to bring back the scumbag dad series the right way in a way where it's not going to get interrupted, where I can tell a good story about like sort of a, a, a story that seems very funny and action filled on the surface, but is really a story about being aware of dangerous people in your life. And that was always the goal of Scumbag Dad. Um, so to be able to accomplish that, you know, work with like to work with Ilyana Schuler, like back to the like dream collab. Again, I'm not that powerful because I contact people and they don't get back to me, which is fine. But I like, right. you know, once I started blowing up, I was like message Ilyana Schuler. Maybe he would have gotten back to me. I don't know. He, he doesn't give a shit about me, but he's the director of Hardcore Henry. So good. And he's like me. Yeah. He's a guy in a band who like directed a music video for his band and it went viral and he just loves making like crazy bullshit. So to do like a scumbag dad with his ability to coordinate an action scene, like his ability to do like crazy gnarly freaking explosions and gunfights, but combine that with like the idea that we have to pretend that it's kid friendly and, yep. a kid, and like a dad, like constantly trying to calm the child down as they're like covered in blood. Like I've got a. Would like you a, be interested in like, if YouTube reached out? Oh and yeah. Like, I've got, I've got like, an outline. Yeah. Like the first, like the, the, one one thing I want to put in is like I want to put in scenes of like when the child was a baby and that scumbag dad was always shitty. Yeah. And that he's like getting drunk at a game. Like, but he brought the baby and like neglects the baby and the baby falls behind the bleachers and has to fight a rat for food. <laughs> so like that's the why origin. They, so you, you have see, an origin. You for see all why them. the kid is so tough. Yeah. And that rat attack also yeah. damages the baby the baby's vocal cords. So that's why the, 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 the character's never talking. That's how deep I am with you Scumbag Dad. You have an on, the thing, you like have ongoing a, series about everything, it. Like. Everything prior to the Maldives arc had a defined sort of reasoning. Everything after yeah. was just me making one-offs that are like, right. I guess this is convenient even though this doesn't play to the plot. But it was so cool because we were following that character and that character's journey. Like It was writing itself as yeah, and it I wanted went the character and you were get unraveling, more more get up. more and more ridiculous, more and more criminal plots, more and more like you always – that's the thing about you. I've seen you. You've tested the limits on these platforms. And I hit the limit. But to some extent, I mean, I think – you know, you get to a certain status, they just start looking at you more. Yeah, once and, I hit past uh, a million followers, they started... Well, once I was past two million on TikTok, they started killing me. And whether we like it or not, at the time, TikTok was all I had. Now, if TikTok gets banned, maybe I'll change it up. But, I mean, right now, I'm not at the level where I can be picky. I have to upload to, I have to, upload to TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat. Like, whatever I make must go on all of them because... I'm not consistent enough on any one of them to truly maintain like my level of clout and income. Um, Cause sometimes shit pops off on Snapchat and it makes me a bunch of money. Yeah. So it pops off on Instagram. So I need to do, keep diversifying. But if Hulu or Amazon prime was like, yo, we can make a scumbag dad series. I could make it so cheap yeah. and so good here in Iowa. Uh, that you would like, knock it out. of. I'm telling you, man, they're silly crazy. not to give you a show. It's they're crazy, sit, yeah. like a major company that's just sitting on money like that. And they're looking for non-traditional ads or something. 
They need to reach out to you. We'll see how things go. You know, thanks for your vote of confidence. No, for sure. Uh, All right. Last question. Yeah. Um, you have any announcements to make, man? Like, what what's on the horizon here? Like, any teasers? So, be on the lookout for my first foray into fashion, where I had the concept of a design for something. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to imply too heavily what this thing might be, but. Probably may later designed, this year. May have designed an accessory. Later of some this sort. year, I may have designed something that may be really interesting for people. About and time. it'll be very affordable for my fans. That would be. I'm getting one. Um, yes. Yeah, that's it. All that's right. It. Cool podcast. Good da, job. Da, 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 da.